Blog Talk Radio. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Across the board, we finished the trifecta. We started in Pittsburgh this morning, went to Oakland, and now we are in Seattle. And blessed to produce this great show. Yours truly, Mark Mancini, standing above the crowd. The podcast hosted by James Donaldson, a good uh, friend of mine, a mentor, a brother, and I love him dearly and just so blessed to be a part of it. 347-205-9631. You can catch the archive version on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports Podcast Platforms, wherever you subscribe to, powered by Mancini Media. So without further ado, it's more of him, less of me. Let me lay that red carpet down, put the podium in its place, hand off the mic. James, take it away. First of all, how are you? Second of all, how can people get a hold of you? Third of all, you're bringing another legend through your great show, my friend. Hey, thanks so much, Mark. It is wonderful to be here. And, uh, wow, a beautiful day up here in the Northwest. So I'm just uh, blessed to be here and enjoying it all. Um, my name is James Donaldson, uh, standing above the crowd with James Donaldson. And uh, you can actually contact me at my email, which is jamesd at standingabovethecrowd.com. And that email comes directly to me. I see all of them in my inbox. I get back to you as soon and quickly as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, feel free to contact me, uh, talk about the show, talk about our guest, uh, suggest other guests you might be interested in having on board, and we'll reach out to them to get them on as well. So this is Standing Above the Crowd, uh, and we bring exciting guests every single week. And I like to just mix it up a little bit. This is March, so it's the beginning of March Madness. So we'll probably have our field of basketball-type folks this month, but that's okay. You know, they're all experts. They've all been uh, professional and excelling in their careers. And um, the, our current guest today is no exception. Uh, she is a Seattle a Seattleite uh, and actually has been around the Seattle sporting scene for quite a few years, uh, going back to high school even. And uh, her name is Sue Steimack Verdun, and I know her uh, through her brother, John Steimack, who I've known for about 40 years here in Seattle. Uh, Sue was the athlete of the, of the family, and uh, John was not, but that's okay. <laughs> I know John. I love that. <laughs> I tease John all the time, and 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 your father, George Steinmeck, was a great All-American track man. So that's so wonderful. Uh, so so Sue, I'd like to uh, you know this, this brings us a little local flavor today. We've had guests on who are you know known around the country, uh, you know, George Raveling, Lenny Wilkins, those kind of folks. Uh, but I wanted to bring a Seattle person on board today to kind of. Uh, First of all, welcome you to the show. I'd like you thank to you, introduce yourself. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Introduce yourself to our listening audience. Uh, tell a little bit about your background. Of course, I've got it all here in front of me, so I'll ask you some questions from that. But uh, here we are introducing Sue Steinmeg Verdun. Sue, take it away. Thank you, James. Yes, as James said, this is Sue Steinmeg. It's actually Verdine. I'm just going to – everybody gets it wrong. No worries, James. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I, as James said, uh, bringing a little Seattle flavor, born and raised in Seattle, um, went to Ballard High School, played basketball, tennis, and volleyball there, and then um, went off all the way to Seattle University. So I always say I've lived on three hills, at Sunset Hill and Ballard, Capitol Hill, and Queen Anne, 
Um, uh, uh. I played at Seattle U and had a basketball career there and played AAU basketball after that for about 10 years. And um, mm. since then have just been very active um, in the community and with Seattle University with Ballard High School um, and have continued to play sports, coach sports, you name it. Um, truly Seattle born and raised. That That is wonderful. Let, let me give the folks a little rundown about yourself. Uh, Seattle Public Schools High School Athletic Hall of Fame back in 19, uh, well, I don't know when you were inducted, but um, this is from your years at Ballard High School, it looks like. Yeah, you know, they actually snuck that in, James, in um, 2019, right before the pandemic. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, no. it, it, yeah, they just started um, doing the Hall of Fame uh, in the last, I think that was the third class in. Um, but, yeah, there, that, 2019 was a very active year, and then everything ended. <laughs> yes, I'm very familiar with the Sports Hall of Fame. Now, was it live, or did did we go virtual at that time already? Um, that was still live, yeah. Uh, Great. Great gathering. Yeah, it was wonderful. it was wonderful. And actually, it would have been the year before, but my daughter was playing for Central, and that just took priority over um, being inducted into a Hall of Fame. You can't miss those games. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Well, you, you were a three-year basketball and tennis letterman for the Ballard Beavers uh, High School in, in Ballard, Seattle, Washington. And uh, so you've got a long legacy with them. And um, team captain, MVP, student athlete of the year. I mean, you you you, you did it all. <laughs> That's just great. Um, yeah. And then, well, I was yeah. really fortunate in – um, you know, if you did a, with the history of women's sports, is that I was born at just the right time where I could participate in all these team sports, and um, you know, it's something that I I loved growing up. I had I was sandwiched in between two brothers, and um, yeah. you know, with Title IX coming in, I was able to be on those teams and, and and participate. So I feel very fortunate now, especially as I know you know look back in time that you know. Some women that were 10 years older than me never got that chance, but I, um, it opened up and got the chance to participate, and it was just a great experience. Yeah, so from Ballard High School, you went to Seattle University, and you were the first female basketball player to earn All-American honors for Seattle U, which is just fantastic. You still ranked third in the all-time scoring, and you were named uh, Seattle University's Female Athlete of the Year, so... So many wonderful records. I mean, you set the single-season scoring record your junior year. Uh, you know, you have just been on and on. So now, after your basketball career, your playing days, you went into coaching. Is that correct? I did go into coaching and did that for, um, you know, a brief stint. I coached at Seattle University, and then we played AU basketball back then after college, and um, that was almost like a well, – can I make it an equivalent of like a semi-pro, you know, where you, we, would, we would be picked up along I-5, our team would, you know, at different stops. Our coach would go along, pick our team up, and go to Canada and play. Or we'd go south and go to Oregon and play Oregon and Oregon State and things like that. So we never really were paid to do it, but um, – you know, I don't ever remember. We were paid 
you know, to stay in hotels and eat and things like that. So that was the equivalent about what pro sports was for women back then. Yes, I, I remember. I came through at the same time, so I kind of remember all of that. Uh, and still, you know, trying to get the women's sports up to that same level that men are at, uh, especially with accommodations and travel and pay and crowd attendance and all the rest of those things. It's, it's uh, still a work in progress. But hopefully, and I think we are making progress for women's sports overall. Um, and then, so what, what position did you play during your career? You know, I think they'd call it like a 3-4 now, but we called it a wing back then. Um, pretty much, I okay. you know, didn't have to handle the ball. I wasn't the point guard, but I was definitely was this, either the shooting guard. So I guess it would be more the equivalent of a 2-3, um, okay. especially when I got to college because of size, you know. Um, but I, I did play inside, you know, ironically. I think it was my senior year. Our, the gradu- we graduated quite a few seniors the year before, so I remember playing down, under, you know, under the ba- under the basket quite a bit my senior year. So at five eleven, not. <laughs> I was going to ask was, how tall you are. Okay, five eleven. Okay, good size. Well, good yeah, size. back then I was five eleven. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but my my dad, like you had mentioned, he was a really good athlete, and he played. Um, he didn't have a lot of touch. I didn't get my shooting touch from my dad. I probably got that from my mom, but he. Um, he taught me a lot of moves underneath, out in the back alley in our house. You know, many games we played out there. And I can't say I'd shoot the ball like he did. That was kind of like that one-handed push shot. But <laughs> he did teach me a lot of under-the-basket moves, which I'm, I know I used in my college days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good, good, good. G- give me your take on uh, women's sports, especially women's basketball nowadays. Uh, and are you a fan and a follower of the Seattle Storm? You know, I've I have followed the Storm all through, you know, their career, or that they've been in, or the time that they've been here in Seattle. And um, you know, even my daughter Beverly was a ball girl for the Storm one year. So, yeah, definitely a fan. Um, always, you know. Very excited, especially the years that they've won the championship. But they, you know, bringing Brianna Stewart and getting her back this year was great. Um, that means yeah. another good year for the Storm. As far as um, following, I love sports. My husband John and I, um, you know, I couldn't have married a better guy to get along with. You know, we always say we'll be married forever because we never fight over TV. It's always on ESPN. So <laughs> we um, follow. You know. All all the basketball, both men's and women's. Um, and then this year, I actually got back into coaching. I, this, I I gave in, and I said yes to the Ballard High School coach, and I helped out at Ballard High School. And it, it, was, it was fantastic. It was so fun to get back in the gym, um, especially after a year of the pandemic and not being able to see live sports and just being around the kids. And yeah. the, the game has evolved, um, you know, the, the – for women's basketball, especially, it's the the height, the strength, um, is so. You know, it's just gotten the the girls have gotten taller, they're faster, they're and and they start so young now that they're so they're very well schooled in fundamentals by the time they get to high school, it, and so it's been very mm-hmm. fun to watch that. Yeah, that's great. I, and that's the one thing I really appreciate about, about women's basketball is that they are fundamentally sound. I mean, they are taught the game. Uh, they they stick with the fundamentals. 
there's a few out there that are improvising and doing their thing and, you know, running on instinct. But for the most part, it's still a very fundamentally sound game, uh, kind of unlike the men's game, especially the professional men's game. Uh, college and high school, of course, is still, you know, pretty fundamental. That's where you learn the, the, the skills and the techniques of what you need to do out there. So that's fantastic. Right. Did, did you get a chance to play overseas by any chance international basketball? You know, I didn't. Um, the time I graduated, there just really wasn't talked about a lot, you know, and I think if you would have, I would have pursued it, um, you know, at that time. But it was mainly everybody around me, and I ended up doing the same thing as you graduated and you got a job or, you know, I, I coached for a while at CLU and then got a job, and that kind of was what you did, <laughs> that um, with time, those opportunities opened up more so overseas where they, you know, could have like two Americans on a team. Um, but there just weren't, there, there just weren't a lot of people or women doing that at the time because, you know, I graduated from college in 82. Um, some of the leagues just started up in the mid-70s after Title IX went through. So, you know, with with time, there may have been more opportunity to pursue it. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I can say I honestly didn't even pursue it at the time. Yeah, I mean, I bring that up. I mean, one, I, I played international basketball for six years myself. Uh, Spain, okay. Italy, and Greece. During my NBA career, I took a took a break and went over there, and then came back. Uh, but also, I mean, with this um, this global <laughs> conflict going on between Russia and Ukraine, a lot of our athletes are scurrying to get out of the country quickly and get back home, which they ought to do. And I'm just hoping and praying that all of them are going to be safe. Um, that's kind of the risk you play, uh, you take when you play overseas, especially in uh, re- certain regions of the world that are a little bit more volatile than others. Right. Um, and now that you just said that, that I do know, like, Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart, they were playing in Russia, and mm-hmm. they were getting well paid in Russia to play there. But, um, yeah, that, that's an interesting thought. Um, I don't, you know. That's right. I think, I'm sure I think quite a few I think quite a few of them actually play overseas to kind of supplement their WNBA money. Uh, And the WNBA season is four or five months, so they take the other four or five months to go overseas and play and make as much, if not more, money over there. And uh, countries such as, you know, Russia and uh, over in Australia, New Zealand, I mean, those are all big for uh, women's basketball now. And that's, that's fantastic, the opportunities that are coming about. Right, mm-hmm. and they have. Um, I think. I think the WNBA they they play in it because it is the WNBA, the the aura of being part of the NBA. But their pay, their big paydays are internationally, you know. Yes. And most of the women do play both. So, you know, it's, it, think about it. That's pretty hard on your body overall to continue to play all year round. Um, you know, to to make probably a decent living I'm, I'm not saying that they aren't but if they just had to rely on their money that they're making in the WNBA it would be a lot more difficult than um, yes absolutely and, and we think that the women's sports uh, training facilities are subpar here when you get overseas they are really subpar and that's that's where it really takes a toll on your 
impacted on your health, and you've got to really be able to take care of yourself and hopefully have a good trainer along with you. So uh, yeah. but it, it's good to see. I'm, I'm such a fan of women's sports, and I'm just so happy to see so many of them out there doing so well and excelling at what they love to do. Oh, I know. And and the door has opened up for so many to have that opportunity. And, and it, you know, is it equal? Is it on par yet? No, with the men. But it's gone so far from where it was, you know, and, and mm-hmm. people forget that. You know, it's kind of like when my daughter played – um, for Central Washington, and you know they flew everywhere. <laughs> they, you know, mm-hmm. for their game. Other than a, it, maybe Idaho, they might have taken a bus from Washington to Idaho. We drove everywhere. We drove to California, <laughs> and we drove to. Wow. It's like uh-huh. the, we didn't get to fly anywhere. The only time in my whole college career where we flew somewhere was to Alaska. <laughs> And that was it. We drove. <laughs> so Wow. And, and when you say you drove, did you take a caravan of cars or did you have a charter bus or what? Oh, no charter buses, James. <laughs> we, had, okay. we had school vans. We did that quite okay. a bit. And the trip to California and Vegas and all that, was. To, we had um, car rentals. And even one of the players had to drive because there. I think we had three cars and there was only two coaches, so it was quite the trip. Um, yeah, no, we had the the. Um, I almost want to call them the family vans. We had the school vans <laughs> that we drove to our games in. Yeah. yeah. Wow, what an experience! Uh, and things, things oh, yeah. have changed. A yeah, things things have changed a little bit now. Uh, but you know, the WNBA made news last week where the New York Liberty WNBA team, uh, their owner was fined like a half million dollars for daring to fly his team via charter plane. And I thought that was so ridiculous. What what is the NBA WNBA thinking about? And why wouldn't they let a private owner who owns his team to just pay for a charter flight? What's wrong with that? That's I don't know if you heard about. I, you know, I didn't. Um, I didn't hear about that. But I think a lot of the men's teams fly charter flights. Um, both. Oh yeah. Football. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna have All to do a little research football. on that one. Yeah, that's interesting. It, I, I it, hadn't heard that. Yeah. Well, I think it's part of the collective bargaining agreement, and apparently, oh, up until okay. now, uh, right. the teams have to commercial flights. Okay. okay, and I don't know if coach or first class, but they have to fly commercial, and flying a charter flight is forbidden according to the collective bargaining agreement, and wow. this owner violated that, so they fined him a half million dollars just last week. <laughs> okay, <laughs> trying to make a take a step forward and. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Unless they're just trying to keep now, parity you, within the league, but I don't know. Well, there's got to be a way to to get this women's basketball, women's sports at the same level as men. I mean, yeah, you know, the pay the pay is based on revenue and you know TV sponsorships and commercials and all that stuff, which the women don't quite have yet. But I always thought I always thought NBA would be a much stronger and longer partner with the WNBA than they were uh, initially. And actually, they were an even stronger partner for the WBA, which was the forerunner to the WNBA. Remember, remember that league? I do, the Seattle Reign. I do remember that. In fact, um, 
I remember going to those games, and I think as we talked earlier, that it, that's back when the arena was in Seattle, which was a long mm-hmm. time ago. But um, that that was their home court, and it was you know good basketball. Um, it just needed more of a platform, I think, to take off. And I think it was played during, you know, the WNBA. Um, it got smart and put is playing in the different time of the year. So they're not up against the NBA. They're not up against college basketball or anything else. You know, they have their own time. Whereas the WBA was played right in the heart of all the other, you know, basketball seasons going on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's so true. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I hope that it continues to grow because I think women's basketball has gotten so much better. And, you know, to just, watch these college teams. I was watching the, excuse me, the Pac-12 tournament the other night, and the kids can, I mean, they can shoot, and they, they, the the height that they're getting, um, you know, when they're taking it to the rim, it's just, you know, most people can't do that. So it's starting to, I think, get to that area where it, they're playing a game that most can't play. Even men, you know, your average guy can't go play that type of game and um yeah. that, to me it's just gotten so much more exciting yeah i think so too and uh, the day that they that more than a handful of WNBA players dunked the basketball i think that's when your tv ratings will skyrocket and the revenue will start flowing so those are still a little bit away this way but we'll get there we're getting there we've got more and more who can do that now so that's great yeah uh, Sue, so, so tell me, what what has made our legendary, iconic Seattle Storm Hall of Fame, sure to be basketball player Sue Bird, so fantastic for twenty years now? This is her twentieth year she's entering in. What has made her so great, and that staying in power that she obviously has? Well, Sue Bird must take great care of her body, as far as you know, just <clears throat> getting staying in shape. Um, you know, and I think nowadays, isn't it LeBron spends a million dollars on his body, you know, just keeping it strong, strength and conditioning and everything. And I'm sure that Sue has, um, you know, the people around her that can take care of her because that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Sue's entering, what, 41, 42 42nd year mm-hmm. of her life, and she's still playing yeah. at a very high level. Um, and I think she's probably adjusted with time. Um, the one thing I always remember my AAU coach, George Carter, telling us is that because we were older than some of the college teams that we played, and he mm-hmm. he gave us this great hint that eventually, you know, you let these college, we'll go play a young team, just let them run. Let them run, and pretty soon they're going to play down to your speed. And when they're at your speed, you will use your experience, and you will go beat them. <laughs> so I'm sure Sue uh, is kind of doing a little bit of that with time. Just let them wear out a little bit. <laughs> they're going to play to my speed, and when they do, look out. <laughs> that's right, and that's when her wisdom and experience kicks in. That's exactly right. So, yeah, yeah. being an older player. You learn not to rely on the speed and quickness and explosiveness that you used to have. It really does become more of an intellectual thinking game. 
you know, you're seeing things way before they develop out there on the court, uh, different plays, different strategies to stop you. And you just use your experience. And you can, you can squeeze out quite a few extra years if you're diligent enough about that. So that is really, really great. Um, and so uh, are you still coaching this year as well with the Ballard Beavers? I am, and probably signed up for another year now. <laughs> it, it just kind of <laughs> hooks in, and then you're in the vortex, and it's like, okay, this was fun. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, and it was just uh, being able to go watch film and just really break it down. And um, for many years I coached my kids and then my daughter the longest, but I never wanted to coach her in high school. I wanted her to have her own experience. And so ever since then, kind of stepped away from coaching. But um, now being able to, to coach and not have your child out there and, um, you know, just be very objective about it all, it's it's quite fun. And, you know, there's programs that you can pull up huddle and, they have all these stats, and you talk about data analytics. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, they have a they have a stat for everything. Um, but it 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 does help, and it does you know the stats kind of don't lie. So yes, yes, um, and and there there and there I ask, how is your team doing this year? You can ask. <laughs> we actually, you know. <laughs> It's the Metro League in Seattle, which is the toughest league in the state. And um, there's kind of like three tiers to that league. There's the top tier. Um, there's Garfield, who's very good. And then there's some pub- or private schools in that next tier of that league. And then there's the middle tier. So we're kind of like just knocking on the top of that middle tier. And we made it to districts this year, um, lost a game probably didn't think we'd lose it, but we did and got knocked out. But, um, you know, it was a team defensively super tough and just had a hard time buying some baskets when when needed, you know, like in that last game. But overall, great group of kids. Um, they're all going to do well in life. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was just fun to, to get back into the high school and um, be a part of be a part of a team again. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the beauty of coaching these young people, you know, and uh, same as mentoring or, you know, educating them. You just tap into that tremendous potential they have, not only for sports, but for life, Uh, you know, and they don't know what they don't know, but we know a little bit more. (laughs) Right, and, you know, it. And they can educate you on things, too. That was kind of the neat thing. You know, before every game, there was always one or two kids that would do, like, a pregame. And I was just blown away by what these kids would come up with, you know, um, as far as, like, taking songs and giving lyrics to other, you know, teammates and um, just motivational type things and it's like okay they're getting it they're gonna that's why i say they're gonna be they're gonna be fine in life they're gonna do well because you can just there's so much more to the game than just um the x's and o's and well even though we Uh, didn't uh, win that last game james no (laughs) (laughs) that's totally fine it's a lesson to move into next year with and um you know, I, I've never gotten into that level of coaching. I do a lot of summertime basketball camp coaching, but uh, 
I've never been part of a team throughout a whole season and coaching them, but this might be something I'd look into one of these days. That's really great. Hey, Sue, I bet you'd be great. Of... You'd do great, yeah. And they, yeah. some well, team would be very lucky to have you. Well, like a lot of like a lot of players, especially former players who go on to try to be coaches, uh, if they don't see that same drive, that same excellence, that same execution that they used to have themselves as great players, then it's a little frustrating. So it's a little frustrating for me too, except at the young kids. Uh, middle, middle school kids I think I'd be great with. High school and college, uh, I start, you know, not being yeah. able to stay. Why aren't you putting in the hours that I did? <laughs> Come on. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. Well, we got about a minute and a half left. Who, who's the, uh, who's the, top, the tallest women's basketball player you've ever played against or have seen? The tallest woman I ever played against was Uliana Semenova, and she played for the USSR, Russia, and we played the Russian team my sophomore year at Seattle University, so um, right around mm-hmm. 1980. And they were the number one team in the world, and they were making a tour of the United States. And Uliana yeah. was the center, yeah. And to top it off, they had two forwards, at the time, that was six foot nine. So, well, I remember yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and Uliama, if I remember, wasn't she about seven five? She was. It was seven yeah. four, seven five. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. It was incredible, and you know, we were laugh. It always when our team gets together, we kind of always reminisce about the night before they played us. They beat a team by a hundred points. And I, I think at my University of Oregon, and we're laughing. Oh, how can a team get beat by a hundred points? You know, no way. Well, we didn't yeah. get beat by hundred. We did get beat by ninety, but this team was like precision. You know, and if you think about it, they were like yeah. the they were the gold medal team. They were the best team in the world, yeah. and we're just a bunch of college kids up at Seattle University. And it's like, oh my god. But um, I remember that. It was, wow. Wonderful. I tell you what, that is our time for today. We are wrapping up, and I just want to thank you so much, Sue, for being our guest today. It's fantastic reliving your experiences with you, and uh, we can all go online and look up all your great accomplishments in the world of sports. Uh, This is James Donaldson, everyone, standing above the crowd. Make sure you tune in every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll be right here for you with a great guest next week as well. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, James.